This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Weimer, and we'll be going through another opposition breakdown now. So it's single man up front, lone striker role for me again today. Um, we're going to be looking at Luton, the big derby coming up this weekend, and it feels like another big one, doesn't it? Uh, it's come around quick, and yeah, the stakes feel high, not just the fact that it's a derby, but all these points really matter now, and the teams around us are picking up points, so it's a huge one, we've got lots to get into here. Um, for those that haven't listened, I'll go through this real quick, not to bore the ones that have listened to the, these opposition breakdowns before, but what we're going to talk about is, is we're going to look at Luton, uh, all things Luton, and their style of play how I like to set up strengths, weaknesses, how we can match up against them, some key players to look out for. Um, so there's lots to go through uh, in this one. Uh, I quite enjoyed my time watching Luton, actually. Um, they're quite a fun fun team uh, to watch, and there's, there's kind of lots to take away, really. Uh, we won't go too, too deep in the weeds, but I'll, I'll kind of stick to kind of their more recent performances and, and look at um, kind of the last three games in particular, uh, just to try and get a feel where they're currently at. Because they're a team that have changed quite a lot. They're, they're starting lineups rotated quite a bit. They've had a few injuries. And, and Nathan Jones is, is a coach that likes to to, to move things around and, and try different things and deploy different systems. So, yeah, it's a fun team to, to go over and, and, you know, try and break down and try and look at what we could be expecting uh, coming into this this derby game. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to it. So we'll start off the 13th in the league. Uh, Madge and Nathan Jones, who we're all kind of familiar with now, he's, he's had a spell at Stoke recently and he was formerly at Luton as well. Uh, this is his second spell now with Luton. He's he's done pretty well. He's had a good season um, for the most part. I think he's he's been... Pretty pretty solid. Uh, he's he's adapted well to to dropping down to to losing again and and working with the somewhat limited limited squad that he has. I think that their injuries have really kind of affected things. But he's a really good coach and I really like him. He, he's one that I was hesitant to to talk too much about. We got a lot of negative negative feedback and we did mention him. But he's definitely a coach that I thought that was a good option for us at one point. Um, maybe maybe Prijevic. Uh, when he was just after that spell at Stoke and where he, he did struggle at Stoke, he did have a lot of underlying numbers that did indicate there, there's potential for improvement in those performances. And there, there's a lot of factors going on at Stoke which played a part in his his tenure there, which didn't really work out. But 
I think there are positives to take away from it. I think it's a real, real, real plus that Luton managed to get hold of him because he could, in my opinion, be managing at a high level. And I think he will. Um, I like I like what he does a lot, and I think he's a, he's a good manager, especially at a time where you, if you want a manager that's kind of having quite a lot of influence outside of just what's going on in the training field and the pitch, he can he can he can get involved in other aspects of the, of the game and of managing and kind of running a football club. And I think someone like Luton gives him that ability to do so a little bit more. Um, he's very on board with the recruitment side of things, and he's a smart guy. So yeah, I won't go too much on about Nathan Jones, uh, but I, I'm a fan. So we'll start with this shape. Uh, of Luton, how they set up. It's a little bit hard to nail down this because they're very fluid in game. Uh, we see a lot of uh, mid-game, they're reactive to the opposition. They like to they like to move things around and make it difficult to kind of pick up. So we'll talk about formations just to kind of get the idea across. But that flexibility in, in, in terms of their shape and that movement kind of makes it hard to pin them down too much to one specific style. They've kind of been switching around a few different formations. But what we've seen most recently uh, is somewhat of a 3-5-2. Uh, but the midfield is constantly moving, so it's, it's calling it a five or even a two up front can can change depending on the situation. The forwards have really good kind of athleticism and are able to get into wide positions and also be more central and hold the ball uh, in, in those forward areas. Um, so they're starting the games at three at the back, but they've often been switching mid-game. As the game goes on, they've kind of switched more to a four. Jordan Clark, who's normally a winger, has been filling in at left wing back uh, for the injured Dan Potts. Uh, they've recently kind of switched to more of a two up front, whether it's Harry Cornick or James Collins supporting uh, Elijah Adebayo, who's been really, really good. I've actually really enjoyed watching him. And their idea is to kind of, they like to play quite wide. They're not overly aggressive defensively, but they, they like to try and contain you in those areas. And that that back three can, can shift into a back four quite nicely and it allows them that that shape in, in the wide areas to have some threat down the wings, but also they can play essentially or a little bit more direct at the bow should they require. And they, they like to build up from quite deep too. Um, they, they like to play the ball through the back. And something to keep an eye on would be the left centre-back, Cal Naismith. So he's actually a winger predominantly. Uh, he's played some wing-back and full-back too, but he's now opposite, operating on the outside left centre-back position. Uh, he's, he's doing a really, really good job there. Uh, he's a great progressor of the ball. Um, he, he, we've seen quite a lot at Vicarage Road. We've had systems, we've had a back three, and we've naturally in that, in that formation, you have a lot of the ball on the outside centre-backs, and it's their job to kind of find that space and find that pass into midfield. And sometimes it's been part of our movement in midfield. Sometimes it's not having the ability on the ball from those outside centre-backs, but getting that ball forward from those positions can be a real difficult task, and you can quite often end up with that ball back to the keeper or back inside and then eventually someone tries to, to go long you lose possession but uh, in Naismith I think they've got a really good option there someone that can push that ball into midfield uh, and find space and, and make it difficult for the oppositions and have to really kind of be aware of him so that's something we should maybe keep an eye on um, it's definitely a bit of a threat in, in terms of them kind of building up play uh, also, another one for me, um, they've been missing Lester Loney, uh, Keenan Dewsbury Hall. Uh, he's he had a really good season for them, but he's had some injuries and it's, it's kind of been a bit of a blow to have him out of the team because he's quite vital to what they do when they perform well. I think he's generally involved when he's available. Uh, 22-year-old midfielder on loan from Leicester. So he could be making his return for this one. Uh, that'd be a real boost for Luton. Uh, technical ability, intelligence on the pitch. He just makes that system click. Um Best comparison I can say is not not necessarily a comparison in terms of style of play, but just how that that returning of Will Hughes made a big difference to our team in in, in the sense that we he was that missing piece and he allowed us to kind of 
play to a system that really suited the rest of our players. He has that technical ability, he has that intelligence, he can kind of slot in there and he can take control. And I think Dewsbury Hall is, is definitely one of those players for Luton. Um, so he allows he allows that side to just to be a little bit more connected and a little bit more balanced and he keeps that tempo going really nicely. I'm really impressed with uh, Dewsbury Hall. I think he looks a good prospect and he's kind of at that age now where he might be looking for a permanent move and I, I think he'll definitely be uh, attracting attention from possibly some Premier League teams if, if Leicester aren't think if he's not going to get a proper shot at Leicester or you know even some uh, championship teams from the loan or perhaps a permanent move it could be in, in the near future for him so another one to keep an eye out there uh, I'm not trying to talk too much about individual players obviously I want to talk more about that that shape and kind of their style of play um, but but that shape is, is yeah it's as I said flexible so we're not going to be too tied down to, to one kind of formation we're playing against um, getting a bit more towards their style of play uh, they like to in an attacking sense they like to cross the ball a lot uh, they like to get the ball into the box that's that's their primary way of getting that ball into the box and they're quite varied in how they get it in there uh, in a sense of their their percentage of, of, of crosses kind of to the left and the right they're pretty much 50 50 um, they average 15.71 per 90 which is the fifth most in the league um, and yeah as I said they spread it they spread that around quite well so they're not too dominant down one side maybe a little bit more down the left in terms of their their carries from fullback and and just their dribbles and and, and so on but their crosses are, are pretty balanced um, so they can be quite direct as I said with that that ball carrying they like to run at players um, maybe not quite as much as we saw from the likes of Reading but they do they do like to kind of isolate those fullbacks when possible and try and get at them um, which, which can work you know, to varying degrees um, for them I wouldn't say they've maybe got the best ball carriers, but they do attempt quite a few. Um, they can be quite patient as well when they want to be. Mostly that patience comes in their own half, though, I'd say. Uh, they like to play the ball through midfield and, and start that build-up from the back. You can force them into going a bit longer, I do think. We'll, we'll get into that a bit later um, in terms of how I think we should we should perhaps be looking at playing them. But it's definitely something to keep an eye on. They're going to play that ball out from the back and look to use those outside centre-backs. As I said, Naismith on the left is, is someone that can can really help them uh, push that ball forwards. Um, and that's kind of the main that's kind of the main build-up I'm really seeing from them is them crosses. And they, they can get the ball forward and there's a bit of a tendency to go go long at times to Adebayo, which he's a very good player. And again, we'll, we'll touch on him a bit later on, but he's a very good very good uh, holder of the ball. He takes the ball down really well and he's he's a good target man. He can, he can be quite dangerous in the box too. Um, but he's definitely someone that you can maybe look at as he potentially has that factor of being an easy out ball at times. And I have noticed there are on, on occasions um, they can go a bit too long to him a little bit too early. Uh, and maybe that's to their detriment because they, they do have the ability to build up and it sometimes slows down or breaks up their attack in positions where they could could be a little bit more patient than, than, they, than they have been in that situation. So we'll kind of go down now and look at kind of where their actual strengths are what I think they're good at and then then move on to their weaknesses and kind of where we should be kind of looking to exploit a little bit more. Um, so strengths as a whole, I'd say that flexibility in, in formation, I think it gives them so much freedom to to adapt to that that situation that, that they're again, up against. The, the teams they're playing, they can adapt against the opposition. And we've seen countless times teams we've played against or even ourselves, where if you have too much rigidity to that to that setup, it allows the opposition to, to find those weaknesses and exploit them. But if you are able to be a little bit more varied in your approach, then you, you kind of hold a bit of an advantage. And I think that's something Luton have done quite well. They didn't really execute it in the first game too well against us in the reverse fixture, but that was so long ago now. Um, I think there's a lot more... I think Jones has had a lot 
has done a lot better in terms of getting his ideas across. And I think we're seeing more of a, a complete Luton side than what we saw in the early parts of the season. Um, hold-up play from Adebayo, I think, is really important. Um, whilst it can be to their detriment, they go long to him. When they do, if the ball is in his direction, he's someone that he can bring that ball down. It's going to be interesting to see. I think it'll be a good matchup between him and Sirialta uh, and possibly Truce to Kong if he's playing. I'm sure they'd be looking to avoid Sirialta at all costs from a physical perspective and kind of having a, having a striker that's backing into him. Uh, they'll be looking more at, at the other option, but... Um, he, he's one that can be dangerous. He's not the fastest, but he's, he possesses decent pace. So y- you can't really give him too much room. You don't want to be too tight at the same time. It's a really difficult one to pin down. It's kind of up to the preference of the defender how you want to attack him. Um, but he, he's definitely a strength. I think that hold-up play can be beneficial if they're able to bring that strike partner in. Um, also thought defending set pieces, they're very good. Um, they've got obviously having that three centre-backs formation kind of gives you some extra some bigger bodies in there even though Naismith isn't the biggest but he's quite good in the air and I thought they were they were consistently good um, at defending set pieces the numbers show that too which is kind of interesting because on the contrast that I'm moving to their weaknesses now um, their aerial jewels are not particularly strong at uh, as a whole they're not the biggest team um, and it does show in some situations I think maybe through the midfield is where it hurts them though um, they can get dominated there their aerial presence just isn't the biggest. Uh, we, I wouldn't say it's our biggest strength either, but if we're talking about the battle between us and them, I think that's probably one we win. Uh, if you're looking at the the options that are likely to be playing, even the likes of Tom Cleverley, he's not particularly great in the air, but he gets around quite well. And I think he's he, he's a fighter and he, he does jump reasonably well. He, he doesn't do a bad job of winning those balls. And I think in this one, I think he has got, even, even Tom Cleverley has a bit of an advantage here. So I'd expect us to be kind of winning that battle should the ball be falling there. Um, which hopefully, from our point of view, it's not happening too often because we obviously want to keep it a little bit more on the ground in that situation and, and try and kind of turn over them straight passes and turn over the ball in in that midfield area and keep it down and kind of look to look to hit it on on Luton's counter attack quite early. Um, I think also another weakness too that really sticks out um, just from watching or just even just through looking through their scores is that they're quite open to conceding early. They can see a lot of goals early on, uh, and and contrast to that, we've been very good at scoring early. So, you know, it's probable now I've said this, that there'll be no goals in, in the first half, but it wouldn't surprise me if we come out of the blocks fast, like we have done in many games this season, especially with that pace and power of Ismail Sar. I'd be looking to really push the tempo up as high as possible from the early 15 minutes. No, it's very cliched, but in this situation, I think it's, I think it's very, very true. I think, it'll, I think it'll be effective. Um, they have some difficulties down those wide areas especially maybe that fluidity in midfield. Maybe they don't quite have the they don't quite cover the gaps as much, especially if you've got that full back and winger combination that we can have um on that right hand side. Uh creating scoring opportunities, they average about eight eight point six five shots per ninety, which is the eighteenth worst in the league. Um so not creating a ton of chances. Whilst they do get the ball in the box a fair bit, they're not creating a ton and then scoring them as well. It's not it's not been the most consistent. They're 18th for the scoring, they're finishing their chances too. Uh, they've scored 35 goals this season uh, and they're actually undershooting their XG quite considerably. Their expected goals for this season have been 47.42 and as I said, they've scored 35. Uh, it just shows their kind of finishing struggles, their issues in front of goal. Even when they're creating higher quality chances, they're not quite able to put them away. Uh, and of course, it's something that hampers them. And that's, I think that's a story for a lot of teams uh, around this kind of area, that mid-table, lower end. Obviously, naturally, you're not, not going to be scoring as many goals. And I think the undershooting of XG has become even more prevalent this year. It's not that the quality of chance isn't there, it's just the finishing isn't. 
uh, it's becoming more and more difficult for these strikers. And I think that's maybe where you look at, at Luton and think, do they have the depth up front or do they have the variation up front to kind of cause enough problems? And I think at times they can. As I said, I really like Adebayo, but I think maybe not the most clinical. James Collins helps that situation, but um, yeah, it's clearly an issue for them. Uh, it, it's just not enough um, uh, enough threat uh, for the, for the most of the uh, for most of the ninety when they could be they could be a little bit more effective um, in terms of defensively um, they're quick to give the ball away which obviously is a defensive issue they can turn the ball over quite quite quickly which can be a problem when they try and build up through midfield and that's often what kind of sees them maybe panic a little bit and go a little bit longer um, but it's quite varied game to game some games they look really comfortable at building building up other games they look quite quite uncomfortable I think a lot of that comes down to the pressure of the opposition um, and that's when that back line can be affected in my opinion is if you really do press them and make them make them play out uh, under a lot of pressure they'll be relatively pragmatic uh, I watched the game against against Wickham Wanderers uh, and Wickham were very very good at, at not giving them that time in, in deeper areas in midfield and also uh, across that back line and made them play nice and quick and it really worked to, to Wickham's favour. We saw them do something similar to us in a sense that they kind of brought us, no disrespect to, to Wickham, but they brought us down to their level. And I think they did that to Luton quite well too. Um, it, it, was a, it was a good idea here and it worked well for them. Um, there were lots of occasions where Luton would pick up the ball in midfield or they'd be kind of transitioning from that defence ball into midfield and trying to push on or carry that ball and they were being very indecisive. Uh, they weren't. They weren't playing the kind of the simple pass or looking to step the, their forwards in. They were just being a little bit too indecisive and maybe going a little bit too direct at times, and and just not really playing up to a level you expect them to. I think they got rattled quite a lot, um, which is quite surprising because they're quite well drilled in a lot of ways. But it's definitely a weakness for them. If you can be aggressive and you can you can force them into those situations. You don't quite give them the time. I do wonder if they question, uh, if they, they lack a little bit of confidence in some of these areas, even though they can do it. Uh, it does look at times that they're not the most convinced in, in some of these uh, situations, which is great for us because we, we do have the players that can uh, that can dominate uh, in those areas and make it really hard for that back line, um, it, which is obviously vital for us. And that kind of gets us onto our next point now, which is when you're looking at our lineup, what can we be doing to to affect this Luton side and stop them attacking and, and try to look to hurt them on the you know, attacking side from our perspective. Um, and for me, I think we kind of discuss quite a lot how our midfield operates. Uh, Will Hughes is obviously the key to that midfield, but what's in front of him changes what our approach is in the game. Um, we have a couple of options, don't we? We've got, for those Zinconagels, that creative spark. He's coming off probably one of his worst games for us. He, he wasn't the most effective in the previous one. I know we got an assist and I thought off the ball he was decent, but he wasn't the most effective in possession, which is really what you want him in there for. I think in this one, there'd be a temptation, depending on fitness, uh, to play that two, uh, two more advanced midfielders that are looking to press and looking to disrupt, looking to stop that build-up play. Play against a team like Luton that's susceptible to that pressure. I would be very tempted to throw Tom Cleverley in there should he be available and Nathaniel Chalaber, if not Dan Gosling and try and really stop this uh, stop this Luton side building up uh, and make them play quick. Uh, I want to play quite high against them too. Try and force that ball into midfield. Try and make them force those passes and try and turn the ball over as much as possible because for me, this game will be played at quite a pace. And when the game is played at a pace naturally, um, it's going to favour the pressing team and it, it's, going to, it's going to be very difficult for that that team that wants to be a little bit more patient in, in, in the build-up, which we can be too, but we, we are the better team. We should be the more dominant. So 
Luton, it's going to be very difficult for them not to not to be careful, not to be pragmatic at the back. I wouldn't expect them to overplay and take those risks, especially in the derby. And I think that aggression that will naturally come into the kind of feisty affair, which you'd hope it would be a feisty affair, I think will play into that kind of more direct style. And I think that's the key for us. Can we make them... Can we, make, can we make them play into our hands? Because I do think what we have built very well uh, is a, is a centre-back pairing that can win you that ball back early. They, they have got, they're not the fastest, but they've got enough pace to deal with some of those faster forwards. But can they win the ball back and recycle into midfield and we can go again and get that attack going? It allows us to, to really pin teams deep and we can suffocate that defensive line. Um, so that's, that's what I'd be looking at personally. I wouldn't be annoyed if Sinkanego started, don't get me wrong. Um, if you're using him correctly and he's on his game, then by all means, he's someone that can unlock a defence with, with his movement and his passes and crosses. But I think primary goal, stop Luton from building up and disrupt them. It's actually something we saw in the reverse fixture. It's something Tom Cleverly did quite well. He played in that more advanced role, but he was on his own. I think the beauty of what Shishko does with R3 is that he has two players doing that. I think it'll be really important in the games against Brentford uh, and Norwich particularly too. As obviously, we've got Norwich coming up in just a couple of days after this game. Um, so it'd be a good experiment to see that. And, you know, maybe you don't start, well, maybe you don't play Tom Cleverly a full, full 90, obviously just coming back from injury and you I think it'd be quite important for that Norwich game, but I would like to see that um, from from the off personally. And then it's it's up to our wingers again. Uh, can we be that threat from the right, and can we get our left involved a little bit more too? Um, I'd like to see us kind of attempt some more ball progression from midfield. I'd like to see us try and get the ball into the forward a little bit more. Can Jao Pedro be a bit more of a target into that ball into feet and allow him to get involved in, more into play? I posted a uh, a passing network on Twitter just this week and. It's definitely something we've kind of lost a little bit of our way with. We haven't quite managed to involve Pedro as much in that build-up play. I'd like to see him kind of get wide and support uh, the likes of Saar and Semo, much like Zinkenegel has been able to do on the left-hand side at times. Um, I think we've got such interchangeable front line. We see how effective Saar can be in the box. I know his goals against Reading came from quite wide areas, but he's very effective in the box. And again, I, I post a, sh- a goal map of uh, Ismail Saar and y- you can see his, the variation in, in shot location and goal location that he has. He's, he's really dangerous in the box and he can be effective. So if he's drifting in narrow and Pedro's coming out wide and making it difficult for that that Luton defence, then I've got no problem with that whatsoever. I think we've got to be a little bit more switched on because as good as Saar is, he can overpower lots of teams. Uh, he really can. Uh, he can change the tide of a game very quickly, but he could be even more devastating for us still, I think. Um, so that would be kind of what I'm looking at looking at here. Um, so that's kind of an overview of what I'm expecting from this one, but I will just touch on quickly just a couple of uh, a couple of players worth mentioning. I think Harry Cornick had quite a good performance in the in the previous fixture, in the reverse fixture. Um, he's predominantly a winger, but he's been playing up front and kind of partnering Adebayo, uh, as I said, between him and Collins doing so. And he's someone that can occupy those wide areas and maybe stretch play a little bit. And I think he's been relatively dangerous. And I, I do quite like him in the in, in the opposition box and he's running at plays. I think he's a threat. Um, and he's maybe one I'd be a little bit concerned about, especially if they're using to press Truce to Kong in possession. Uh, we've talked about this a lot, haven't we? Truce to Kong in possession. But it, it's definitely something that will be targeted. So I, I would be hesitant to see that match up too many times. Um, so I think it could be threatening one for them. Adebayo, again, I will touch on him again because I, I do really like him. He's physical. He's able to get around the pitch quite well and dominant in the air. He's a re- really big threat in the box. If they're getting crosses in, in the air, then he's he's a potential threat. And that's actually the thing about Luton's crossing. It's not as much of... Obviously, the modern-day crosses are often quite low. 
uh, along the ground crosses. But Luton aren't afraid to kind of put in that high cross because Adebayo is such a physical presence. If they can get the ball onto him and he doesn't have to go for goal, if he can just knock it down, they can get players around him. He He's someone that can cause a lot of problems. Um, so there are two that I'd like to kind of mention to stand out. And obviously the ones that I, I mentioned earlier on in the episode, just in terms of how they how they play and that style of play, players that are vital for it in, in Naismith and Dewsbury Hall. Um, they're all players that should stick out to you. And I'm sure in this 90 minutes, they're players that will play well should they be starting. Um, and it, it's one that we do again. We've got, we've got to win this game and, and keep that pressure on the teams around us. So uh, it, it's vital. And I'm looking forward to another derby. The first one felt a little bit stale in, in some ways, but I think with all the emotion that's kind of coming into this game, from the external factors too, I think we're obviously fighting for that promotion spot. I think the ability for Luton to be able to kind of knock us off course, I think that will motivate them too. And I'm expecting quite a quite a good game. I'm hoping I'm not cursing it now and kind of forcing it into being a nil-nil. But again, I do feel quite confident this will be quite a fun one. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm quite confident. I just hope we go there with the approach to kind of dismantle this Luton side because I do not think we should underestimate what Nathan Jones will be looking to do to try and stop us. Um, I'm sure they'd be looking at a few of our weaknesses. Maybe you can isolate some of those defenders that we have. Trusa Kong in possession, Adam Masson in possession perhaps. Uh, and they've got some players that can hurt us. So I do feel as long as we're on our game, as long as we have the right plan in, in place and we actually look to apply that plan from the off, the application is good from the players and the levels are there, which I expect them to be at this stage of the season, this sort of game, then I think we can come away with the three points. Uh, but that all remains to be seen. Uh, we've got big fixtures coming up now. We'll be we back here very shortly. Uh, Matt, Tom, and myself will be here to talk about the uh, kind of fallout of the looting game after it happens. And I'll be back again um, in no time to uh, preview Norwich, which will be another another big one. Um, lots to talk about there too. We all know how dominant they are, but there's lots to break down, lots to go through, and try and give you guys a better understanding of uh, what to expect and and how we could fare. So. Thanks again for listening. Really appreciate it. Thanks for uh, thanks for any of the, the comments and DMs we've been given. Uh, it really helps. And go and give us a review on iTunes, please, if you're listening. It really appreciate it. And Matt puts in a lot of work with the editing and stuff. He might cut this out now because he's very humble, but he does a lot of work, uh, and we really appreciate that. So go over there and show him some of that appreciation. Um, if you have any any comments you want to add, you want to have any conversations, feel free to send me send me a DM comment on something we're talking about if there's something you'd like us to do uh, in, in, specific, in, in particular uh, then please give us feedback with again comment dm i had a couple messages with ideas for formatting um i am listening to you guys there's a couple of things that I've, has been mentioned to me which i haven't implemented yet i am looking to but it's been i've been very busy recently we've all been very busy um and we're trying to kind of get stuff out and, and we're trying to make it better and better it just takes a little bit of a little bit of time to implement it properly and that's something we're definitely going to be able to, to do um post season uh, we can spend a lot more time kind of thinking about uh, what we're going to be doing and how we're going to be improving things uh, for you guys that are listening right to the end I appreciate you again uh, I don't know why you are but it's appreciated um, so thank you very much for listening we'll be back in just a couple of days time looking forward to this one uh, I'll catch you next time Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.